Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Investing income is one of the established ways to build wealth, but many people are either confused about how to get started or they think it's out of their reach. Many others might look at fluctuations on Wall Street or other factors like inflation or trends like cryptocurrency and wonder if investing is worth it. Today, we'll work on making good investment decisions, whether you're just getting started or if you've already started putting money aside for the future. We're back right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. In South Dakota, Senate lawmakers are passing a bill that creates and funds community-based schools centered on Native American cultural curriculum. A similar proposal passed the chamber two years ago, but failed in the House. Supporters hope this year is different. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's Lee Strubinger reports. It's the third year in a row Senate lawmakers have voted on creating Ocheti Chacon community-based schools. The proposal allows two school districts to sponsor an Ocheti Chacon school in the first five years the bill becomes law. Those schools would be steeped in Ocheti Chacon essential understandings and standards. Ocheti Chacon means seven council fires and refers collectively to the Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota people. The proposal is brought by State Senator Troy Heinert. The Democrat from Mission says the proposal is meant to give Native American students an alternative educational experience. I'm just trying to to give our kids a chance to learn in a culturally relevant manner and, uh, you know, have that that strong connection to who they are as an indigenous person and but still, you know, gain all the skills and and abilities to function in, uh, you know, regular society as well. Heinert says misinformation killed the bill when it made it to the House two years ago. The bill calls for a trial run of two schools, which is a reduction from bills that have come up in years prior. Heinert says he expects results from two schools will prove more are needed in the future. We know that if we can get two schools going and we show the gains and the successes that, that we think we're going to see, um, you know, that number will grow. But we just have to have the opportunity to do it. The bill now heads to the House. For National Native News, I'm Lee Strubinger in Pierce, South Dakota. A bill in the Alaska State Legislature to provide for state recognition of federally recognized tribes is being heard in the Senate State Affairs Committee Thursday. The State Recognition of Tribes bill was read for the first time in January and referred to committees. It would not give tribes new power since they're sovereign. It aims to have the state acknowledge that sovereignty. The state of Alaska and tribes already work together in a government-to-government capacity through tribal compacts. The state has a compact in child welfare. According to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, there are 229 federally recognized tribes in Alaska. Thursday's committee meeting will be streamed online. A tribal regalia bill in the Utah legislature recently passed in the Senate. It had already passed the House. The bill ensures Native students can wear traditional dress, a feather, beaded attire, or moccasins during high school graduation ceremonies across the state. A similar bill was signed into law in Arizona in 2021, to allow Native students to wear traditional dress at graduation. The bill in Utah now awaits the governor's signature. 
New York is dropping requirements for face coverings indoors, but not the St. Regis Mohawk tribe. The tribe Wednesday responded to the state's announcement to end its mask mandate for public spaces. The tribe will continue its mask requirements for public health against COVID-19. The tribe's Emergency Operations Center and Health Services are reminding community members and guests that masks are still required in all public places on the reservation in New York. According to the state, effective Thursday, the statewide indoor business mask requirement is lifted. Mask requirements for schools will continue and will be reevaluated in March. Several other states are dropping mask mandates as COVID-19 numbers decline. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. A historical trauma masterclass taught by Dr. Ruby Gibson and staff provides tuition-free online training to tribal members who are therapists, counselors, social workers, and traditional healers. Enrollment deadline is February 21st at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous population. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Do you own a home? Contribute to a 401k? Or buy stocks online with a mobile investing app? If you do, you are an investor. You're putting money or assets aside with the expectation that you'll build wealth over time. There are risks, but by and large, investments like stocks, bonds, and many others are proven methods for strengthening your financial future. If you don't invest, what's holding you back? Are you not sure how to get started? you think you need a lot of money to get started. Today we'll hear some ideas on how and why personal investments are a good idea and hopefully answer your questions and dispel myths about the process of investing. We'll talk about the risks, how to get started, and offer ideas for folks on a budget, all from a native perspective. And of course, we want you in on the conversation. Do you have any investments that have paid off for you? Are you skeptical of banks and the stock market and prefer to hang on to your cash? Give us a call, the number 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us today from sunny Boynton Beach, Florida, is Rob Massio. He's a director with the FINRA Investor Education Foundation. Welcome to Native America Calling, Rob. Thanks, Sean. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. And joining us from sunny Palm Springs, California, is David Burrell. He is the chairman and CEO of Pinnacle Bank, headquartered in Marshalltown, Iowa. Pinnacle is owned by the Sac and Fox Nation. Welcome to Native America Calling, Dave. Good morning, Sean. Glad to be on. Listeners, we're going to structure today's show a little bit differently than usual. As some of you might know, when I'm not hosting Native America Calling, I have another job. I'm a financial education consultant. 
I work with different tribes and native communities, teaching workshops, classes, and presentations about how to manage money wisely. Investor education is a big part of my work, and that's how I know both of our guests today, Dave and Rob. In fact, a note of disclosure, the FINRA Investor Education Foundation provides financial support for me to teach financial education in partnership with a native-led nonprofit, First Nations Development Institute. So that said, today, in addition to hosting, I'm also going to contribute to the conversation. All right, so some comments I've heard a lot over the years, and the main reason I wanted to do a show about investing sounds something like this. Native people don't have money to invest, so what's the point of talking about it? Or investing is really complicated. It requires a lot of time and energy. Dave, let's have you kick off our conversation today by answering the question, does investing have to be complicated? Uh, No, not really, Sean. I mean, there's a lot of um, opportunists out there that like to portray it as as being very complicated and you've got to hire somebody and pay a fee and do it. But uh, the easiest way uh, to get started is just trying to spend less than you earn and set aside something on a uh, uh, regular basis. Uh, it's, it's sort of like working out. You try to go to the gym or jog every once in a while, and uh, saving money is just a routine that you get into or, or brushing your teeth at night. Let's try to save 5 bucks a week or 10 bucks a month or something, but it does not have to be complicated. Well, you mentioned even just $5 a week or $10 a month. So what, what about the money? Does a person need deep pockets to get started investing? No. Um, you know, it's tough. The younger you are, there's all sorts of uh, expenses that you've got to do. So you probably, uh, in a lot of instances, don't have a lot of cash just laying around that you can play with or invest. Uh, so get started with whatever works for you um this i will throw out uh, this is kind of a running uh little argument between my daughter and i we have a conversation about wants versus needs all the time my daughter's 33 and she will still say boy dad i need this and uh, i'll say do you really need this or do you want this and so uh, when she was much younger, she was trying to get started with uh, some kind of a savings plan uh, prior to work even. Uh, and, and I said, well, the first thing I'd tell you to do is get rid of Starbucks. Starbucks is my <laughs> one of my one of my pet peeves. You know, it's like six, seven dollars for a mocha latte caramel something or other. And uh, to which she would say, OK, I'll get rid of the Starbucks and save seven dollars a week if you get rid of your beer. And so we we have this <laughs> continuing conversation about wants versus needs. <laughs> Beer versus Starbucks. I bet that's an interesting, interesting debate there in your home. So, Dave, obviously building wealth is the goal for most folks who invest. But are there other reasons a person might choose to invest their money? Well, um, I mean, it, as you get older, I mean, I'm, I'm old. I've been doing this gig 40 years, and I see people my age relying on Social Security as a retirement or waiting to hit the big one at the casino or something. And, 
And I guess I think a lot of it, for me anyway, is just having the personal knowledge that I've got something else to fall back on besides Social Security or, uh, you know, a winning hand at the the poker uh, table or something. So I, I, I think it's just having some security and having a little security blanket. Sure. Well, Dave, what are some beginning steps to creating an investing plan? Uh, for me, I, I always tell people to write down your expenses. Take it, take just a sheet of paper or, or do it on you know the computer or something. Write down every expense for a month. Don't worry about what they are. If you spend two bucks at uh, the corner gas station for a Slurpee, write it down. At the end of 30 days, take a look at your list. I think you'll be surprised at some of the places that you're spending some money. Take a look at it. Is there anything in there that you could uh, give up and not, you know, not really matter to your lifestyle? And then just try to start setting aside those kinds of, uh, if it's $5, it's $5. And start setting it aside in a savings account or somewhere uh, and try not to spend it. Uh, You know, it's, you have to, Spend less than you earn, and then you have to try and do something with that uh, savings to let it accumulate and earn the, the compounding effect over 20, 30 years, uh, like in a 401k, is phenomenal. So if you can get started and stay at it, uh, then you get to be an old guy like me, and you have a little bit of a nest egg there. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the power of compound interest, and that's interest that builds upon itself, and it it grows much more quickly than what we refer to as simple interest. And I'm curious to know, for for younger folks, does it make sense for for somebody, you know, maybe just coming out of college, maybe somebody in their early 20s to start investing, or should they wait until they're a little more financially secure, maybe they're in their 30s or 40s? Oh, well, I think... I mean, you got to. The earlier you start, the more you'll have down the road. So that that's a given. But I think everybody's situation's a little different. Uh, what age they start. Um, the main thing is you got to start. You can't. It's exactly like my example earlier, going to the gym. Everybody in January wants to lose 10 pounds, and we're going to get started. And then by March, you forgot about it. Uh, you you got to get started and and get in the habit. But I would encourage folks to do it the sooner the better. Now, Dave, we've seen a tremendously good run in the stock market since that big mortgage crisis we had back in 2009. In fact, it's been called the greatest bull market in history. And a bull market is when a stock market or any capital market is increasing in value. It's it's doing well. People are making money. Uh, stock prices are high. And just an enormous amount of wealth has been created for regular people, okay? Not necessarily just, you know, big hedge fund managers or wealthy CEOs of companies, just regular people like like me, like you, like our listeners. However, we're off to kind of a rough start here in 2022. The stock market is down. I think a lot of people are thinking, well, this might be kind of the end of the party. We're not quite so sure. So what do investors need to be mindful of going forward, especially somebody new, a beginning investor? I think you need to take a look at what you're putting your money in. Um, as we leave, well, my opinion, we are leaving the golden era that we've had of investing 
The report this morning showed inflation is running 7.5% a year. That That's uh, the highest in over 40 years. We have, as a country, thrown inordinate amount of cash out into the system. Never in my career have I seen that. We're going to have a lot of reckoning and, and untold consequences come about in the next year, two years, three years. So I think you've got to be careful uh, what you put your money in. Having said that, over 10, 20, 30 years, having some exposure to stocks uh, will pay a better dividend than just putting it in my bank and letting me pay you half a percent interest or 1%. Uh, like I mentioned, if inflation is 7% or 7.5% and you're going to earn 1%, 2 3%, you're actually going behind uh, when you look at real, real dollars. So uh, I hope people don't think that it's time to take a more speculative approach because inflation's currently 7% and, and try and get into uh, what I call the snake oil salesman or the get-rich-quick scheme. <laughs> right, and inflation, it's at a 40-year high, and, and anybody who's been to the supermarket lately or filled up their gas tank can attest that these prices are going up for so many goods and services, and that does impact the economy, and it impacts investments. So, folks, we do have to take a break here, but if you've got a question or a comment for today's show, Give us a holler, 1-800-996-2848. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. There's a lot to celebrate when it comes to Native sports. A number of Indigenous athletes are competing in the Olympic Games in Beijing, and as the most watched sporting event gets underway, neither of the teams in the Super Bowl refer to offensive mascots. We'll talk about the wins and what else to watch for in Native sports on the next Native America Calling. Looking to get your high school diploma? Southwestern Indian Polytechnic Institute offers Native Americans ages 18 or older training and preparation courses for the high school equivalency diplomas, in person and online beginning May 4th. All attendance and testing fees for this program are waived, and resources will be available to help with supplies and living expenses. Space is limited. Application deadline is April 8th. More by calling 505-382-4287 or at sipi.edu who support this show. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Thanks to economic development ventures like gaming, healthcare, and resource development, tribes have more economic power than ever before. In some cases, this translates into personal wealth as well. But for most Native Americans, building wealth is up to the individual. We're tackling the subject of personal investing today, whether it's a savings account or a portfolio of high-flying tech stocks. Join our conversation by calling in one 800 996-2848. I also want to give a shout out to our newest station. We want to recognize WLRN 105.3 FM on the Red Lake Nation, Minnesota. WLRN connecting Northern Minnesota. We are glad to have you in the Native America Calling Network. Joining our show today, we have Rob Massio, 
with the FINRA Investor Education Foundation and Dave Burrell, CEO of Pinnacle Bank, a tribally owned financial institution. Dave, Super Bowl this weekend. Who are you rooting for, Rams or Bengals? The Kansas City Chiefs don't seem to be there anymore. I, <laughs> I guess I'd have to go with the Bengals. I don't know. Rob, how about you? I think I'm in that same boat. I'm, I'm going for the Bengals. Uh, you know, I was a Tampa Bay Bucks fan this year, so unfortunately we didn't have a, uh, a great run. So I root for the Bengals. <laughs> Well, folks, believe it or not, there's something called the Super Bowl indicator. What it means is that if you look back over the past 55 NFL seasons, when a team from the NFC wins the championship, there's a better chance that the stock market will have a good year than when an AFC team wins. In fact, that likelihood of a good year for stocks is about 14% greater with an NFC win. Uh, Dave, Rob, care to change your picks? <laughs> I'm going to stay strong with my original. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll just hang in there and let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> there you go. Well, Rob, seriously, there are all kinds of fun factoids to try and predict which way the stock market will go. There's one called the men's underwear index, which says a drop in men's underwear, which tends to be a pretty stable market, is an indicator of a gloomy economy. There's another one called the hemline index, which says that higher women's hemlines point to a stronger economy. I'm not sure what the logic is there. Maybe I should ask my wife. I don't know. But Rob, how seriously should people consider off the wall stuff like this when making investment decisions? So, I mean, the market, the market is going to be constantly changing. Like you said earlier, we had a, we had a strong run for a period of time. Um, things are Things are now looking a little bit different. The landscape's looking a little bit different within the, uh, the past month or so. So it's important for, for people to, when you are investing, think about yourself as using the key principle, really. It's um, knowing yourself as an investor, understanding what risks you are willing to take and willing to, willing to stomach, and what risks are you able to withstand. Is this money that you are investing that... Um, that is more play money, or is it money that you, you know, really need for your day-to-day -day living? And you need to take that into consideration when you're considering whether you're investing or whether you're whether you're saving. It's important to embrace diversification. Um, that helps you withstand the market up, ups and downs. It can it can limit your portfolio risks by diversifying different types of products within your within your investment account, different sectors that you're focusing on. And one of the most important principles is really to think in years, not in days and hours. So while the market does, does tend to fluctuate, if you take more of a long-term approach, you're, you're investing for the long-term, you're going to find yourself in a, in a better position than if you're looking simply to, to make those quick trades. Long-term perspective. Rob, one thing that has really changed over the last couple of decades is that there are a lot more options and ways to purchase investments than ever before. Can you talk about that? Sure. The, I mean, the investment landscape is, is constantly changing, and in order to, to tackle that, the ways in which in, individuals are able to invest are changing as well. Um, one, of the, one of the great tools that FINRA offers, FINRA being the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, is a system called BrokerCheck which allows you to look up 
a, a individual who is within the brokerage industry, a registered individual, but it also allows you to look up brokerage firms. And, and you can look up those firms to see how long they've been in business, what kind of business do they engage in. You can look for information on the individual that you might be dealing with at a specific, a specific institution to see how long they've been in the industry, what their credentials are, what types of licensing that they have. So using BrokerCheck is one of the one of the best ways to kind of begin that search. Um, looking for a brokerage firm or a financial institution that is offering things that not only you're interested in currently, but potentially down the road, what type of products could you foresee yourself wanting to invest in down the road? And there's of course a lot of a lot of different variables that come into play. So it's kind of a it's a hard question to directly answer, but research really is a, is a key component doing that research, doing that due diligence. Okay. Rob, speaking of due diligence, earlier this week, the exercise bike and fitness company Peloton announced the CEO is stepping down and they're laying off almost 3,000 employees. And this is shocking because the company had a record year when the pandemic started. But now with people going back to gyms and getting out and about more, Peloton stock is down almost 85% from a year ago. That's kind of crazy. Is it wise to invest in the stock of only one company? So going back to going back to those those key principles, embracing diversification is is really a great strategy to help you overcome those market ups and downs. So if there is a a stock within your overall portfolio that that does have a downward trend, it can be offset by some of the other the other investments within your portfolio and really kind of diversify some of that risk away. Diversification. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Kind of mix them up, different asset classes, different types of investments. So if one asset class or investment struggles, has a bad year, you've got other investments that can pick up that slack, right? That's right. And also, again, thinking, thinking long-term. So while a certain stock or a certain company may be having a, a difficult you know, quarter or, or whatever it may be, over the long run, you have to consider whether or not this is a, this is a company that you want to stick with long-term, whether you believe that there, there is value long-term in that company. Well, folks, okay. let's go to the phones. Listening online, we have Jen. Jen, you're on the air. Thank you so much. I appreciate this show so very much. Um, I think one of the best advice overall has been your guest who had recommended that you begin to look at your spending and your earnings. And when, when my daughter was younger, we did that, and we were able to pay everything plus save some on at the end of the month. And that was a great way to really teach uh, your children and your family how to be successful at this. Plus, I had I'd taken her down to my investment firm and talked about her investing some of her money and what she wanted to invest in. Of course, it was jeans at the time, which was really cost too costly for that. You weren't going to actually make any money. But my question is this, uh, in playing the devil's advocate here, by and I'd like to ask some questions like are investments in 401ks without you knowing exactly where your investment money is going or other investment investment firms um, are you is 
are these actions taking you into becoming more of a capitalist uh, by investing in corporations who don't care about the environment necessarily or what impacts um, everyone, say like drilling in the sacred sites or how people are affected from, say, like in coal mining and, and other types of mining and all this drilling like that's in near sacred sites. There's a lot to mm-hmm. think about here as far as, you know, what they, uh, what so many people are trying to uh, move toward a better environment. Like you really need to know where your money's going and how do we do that if you're going to invest? That's my question. Um, just thinking about it and thinking more deeply about it and what your values are. Plus, it's just a great way, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to learn how to save your money and, and have money at the end of the month is a great idea. And, of course, there are other ways of investing your money, like in in uh, many, many ways of investing your money. So other than just investment firms. Sure, sure. Well, Jen, thank you for those comments. And you are right on the mark because there's actually a whole movement of what we refer to as impact investing or sustainable investing in which investors really do pay attention to the actual investments that they're purchasing in terms of what their track records are for social justice, for the environment, for treatment of workers. Um, And there have been many Native American investors, specifically tribal investors, who've gone out and specifically, you know, looked at companies regarding their track records with, you know, superstores building on sacred sites, like you mentioned, uh, the use of uh, racially disparaging mascots. So it, it is definitely an area of, of focus for many Native investors. Um, and, and as well as an individual, if that's something that's important to you, it's certainly something to pay attention to because, yeah, you know, some of these companies, and we hear the horror stories about, uh, labor issues in in third world countries and other things. And so it's really, really, I'm I'm glad you brought this up. I really am. And also mentioning that there are other types of investments uh, available as well. You know, I think a lot of our native families out there, maybe they don't necessarily own a home or have a 401k, but they might have cattle, they might have livestock and things like that, which are also investments, which can also pay pay off very, very handsomely when those assets are managed properly. But I would like to, to have Dave Burrell also chime in here because uh, he's the CEO of a tribally owned bank, Pinnacle Bank in Marshalltown, Iowa. And I know that uh, there was a lot of thought with regard to having a native voice in a financial services industry that the Meskwaki Nation put into consideration when they made that purchase of Pinnacle Bank a number of years ago. So Dave, could you could you give us some detail there? Uh, sure, uh, Sean. I mean, the, the Meskwaki Nation uh, purchased the bank i actually purchased it on their behalf and i think there's only 17 or 18 tribes which uh, in the country that have banks which seems lacking to me i as an aside i hear uh, a lot of bad mouthing of banks uh, around the country and i always say well why don't you guys buy your own bank pay yourself to bank instead of paying somebody else anyway aside from that uh, uh the we talked a lot about uh, we we run the investments for our miners trust for the and some other tribes, 
and we talk about socially responsible investing. And actually, we use, uh, and this is not a, you know, an endorsement. It's just another option. But we use some Vanguard funds that are specifically socially responsible. So they're supposed to be uh, monitoring what kind of investments the fund is uh, investing in and staying away from some of the uh, maybe uh, coal mining, oil drilling uh, funds or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think they can tailor them to avoid specific areas. Um, But but that's one thing that that we try to do is uh, look at some socially responsible funds. Well, Dave, thanks for that further insight. Folks, let's take another caller. We have Gilbert. He's listening in Farmington, New Mexico on KSUT. Gilbert, you're on Native America Calling. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. I was just saying Okay, Gilbert, you're a little bit fuzzy there. I heard you mention 401k. Can you provide a little more insight into your question? Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, when you go to work, you take advantage of the 401ks. And um, my company, we save 6%. And you're not going to get a better return than that anywhere else because uh, you, you just take that every, every, every payday and every month. And through the years, it'll build up. And, and of course, um, uh, on mine, the match dollar for dollar. So through the years, it builds up. And then you can put it also, you can request to put it in low risk, medium risk, high risk, depending on what you want. But I just want to encourage people to do that. It'll go, I'm getting close to retirement. Um, my financial advisor just says, oh, did a good job. So I encourage everybody out to do the same. Well, Gilbert, thanks for for those insights as well. And, and yeah, a 401k can be a great, great option. If, if one is available to you, it's an employer sponsored retirement plan. And Gilbert mentioned the match. So in many cases, if you contribute a certain amount, every pay period to your 401k, your employer will match that up to a certain amount. So it's almost like getting free money in addition to the money that you're contributing. And it can really, really pay off in the long run. And again, Rob has mentioned the importance of having that long-term perspective. And, you know, investments, some years they'll be up, some years will be down. But for the most part, if you look at a long-term trend, if you go out more than 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, the track record looks pretty good for investing, you know, in the stock market, which is... um, a lot of what you have in a 401k plan is you have funds that invest in specific stocks or maybe specific bonds. So lots of different options out there, lots of different approaches. And I love having the insights of our guests on the on the line and as well as our callers. So really, really some interesting, interesting things to think about in the world of investing. And I hope you folks are enjoying this show. We've got some really, really Good, good guests who have a lot of information and a lot of experience to share, a lot of wisdom as well. And one thing I always encourage people to do when investing money is to really ask yourself three questions. Number one, what is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish by investing? Are you thinking about saving or investing for for maybe purchasing a house or starting a business or just creating a little nest egg? Secondly, you want to think about your time frame. Are you investing 
for something that might come in five years or 10 years or 20 years because the approach is going to be very different based on your time frame. Really important to remember that. And then lastly, how much risk are you willing to accept to go ahead and pursue these investment goals? And risk is a big part of investing, understanding risk and managing risk. And we'll talk more about risk coming up shortly, but we do have to take another short break. Any more listeners who want to make comments, have ideas, have suggestions, have questions for the show, please don't hold back. 1-800-996-2848. You can also connect with us online. You can connect with us on social media. We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. So please give us a holler. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Are you a Native American healthcare provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin a seven-month advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass looks through the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach to provide powerful, proven modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is February 21st. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What is your view on personal investing? Is it a smart way to protect and grow your individual wealth? Or is it too risky and just another form of gambling? There's still time to share your take on the air. So what are you waiting for? 1-800-996-2848. That's the number to call. Folks, as I mentioned before the break, one of the most important questions any investor needs to ask is how much risk they're willing to take to achieve their investing goals. Because one of the basic laws of investing is that in order to get a higher return, a person needs to assume more risk. Let's explore this a little bit more. And for everyone listening right now, please grab something to write with because I want to offer you a make-believe wager. Okay, it's going to work like this. Let's pretend I'm going to flip a coin here in the studio, maybe one of those fancy Jim Thorpe gold dollars. If the coin comes up heads, you win $200. But if it comes up tails, you lose $100. Pretty simple bet. Heads, you win $200. Tails, you lose $100. Do you take the bet? If so, write down $200. Now, for those of you who didn't take the bet, I'm gonna sweeten the offer. Instead of $200, you'll win $300 if the coin lands on heads, but you still only lose $100 on tails. Will you take the bet now? If so, write down $300. Okay, I'm thinking that for some people, $300 still isn't enough money to make this wager. So I'll tell you what, let's sweeten the offer again. And this time you'll win $400 if the coin lands on heads, but you'll still only lose $100 on tails. Think about that for a second. And if there are still any more holdouts listening who don't like any of these bets, I want you to decide for yourself how much money you need to win if the coin lands on heads. 
however much money you need to win, write that number down and remember, regardless of how big a number you choose, you still only lose $100 on tails. Okay, so there's an investing concept known as loss aversion coefficient. It's kind of a slick term, but what it does is measure an investor's appetite for risk. You can figure out your own loss aversion coefficient using this pretend wager I just explained. All you do is take the amount of money you decided you need to win if the coin lands on heads and divide it by the amount you lose on tails. Here's an example. If you chose the I need to win $400 wager, your loss aversion coefficient is four because 400 divided by 100 is four. Now here's where it gets really interesting. For most people, the average loss aversion coefficient is just over two, meaning losses hurt twice as much as gains. And this is really important because it underscores the notion that for most people, losing something of value causes more pain than the pleasure of obtaining something of value. Let's bring Rob back into the conversation now. And Rob, one thing I've learned over the years is that risks come in many shapes and sizes. What can we do as investors to better manage risk? So you did mention that risks come in many different sizes and every individual has a different level of risk in which they are they're able to stomach, willing to stomach. Um, if you think about for example, if you think about a roller coaster, you know, there's some people that just get a thrill out of that roller coaster ride where they know the risk, they want to be on that ride. There's under, other individuals who look at a roller coaster and say, you know what, I'm just going to watch from the bridge and see how that goes for everybody that's on there. There's other individuals that they get on, they're maybe a little hesitant, but they get on, or maybe they get on and they're holding on to the harness that's keeping them in place. Just like people on a roller coaster, risk is also different for every, every individual. So again, some people have the ability and, and willingness to withstand more risk than others. Now, some ways that you can, you can look to try and mitigate risk, you can focus on different products that might be considered less risky versus products that might be considered more risky. Um, Sean, I know before we talked a little bit about diversification, that's another way that you can that you can manage some of that risk within within the investing world. So you really have to make sure that you that you know yourself as an investor. What type of risk are you willing to to, to withstand, and what type of risk are you able to withstand? Okay, all right, good information. Thanks, Rob. We have some more callers on the line, Haley listening on WOJB in Hayward, Wisconsin. Haley, you're on Native America Calling. Hello, thank you for having me. You bet, Haley. So what I was wondering is my husband and I are getting close to retirement age, but we do not have any retirement. We have rental units, and we're going to sell one of them because it's got a very low note on the mortgage. So we'll be able to make a lot of money on the sale of this house. So we would like to take that money and invest it in something with almost no risk because we are very conservative. And at 
looking at all the products, I think what we're going to end up investing in is either a CD, certificate of deposit, or some kind of annuity. I don't have a lot of experience with annuities, so I was wondering if you could go into the pros and cons and the major differences of a CD from a bank versus an annuity, wherever we would get that from. That's my question. Okay, and we've got a banker on the show today. Dave Burrell, questions about annuity CDs. Please respond. Okay, um, excellent question. And and uh, as a banker, I'm uh, probably, uh, in full disclosure, probably more in favor of the CD. Um, uh, I would say with interest rates apparently rising or appears to be rising, this yield that you get on a certificate of deposit should begin to, to increase. Um, however, with inflation, what we talked about earlier, at 6 7%, that you're going to be a long time before your interest rates uh, get up to that high. So you're, you're losing a little bit of uh, earning power investing in a CD if it's going to yield less than inflation, but it's 100% safe. So that's what you give up there. On the annuity side, uh, I've, I've never sold an annuity. I think uh, there's a lot of uh, conversation about annuities. I would get, I guess I would just tell you to get educated on annuities. They're, most of them that I'm aware of have fees, um, and they're much more illiquid, I believe. So once you buy it, you're sort of stuck with it. Um, so I, I would caution you to get very well educated on an annuity and know what you're buying if you want to go that way. Well, thanks, Dave. And I do have one quick follow-up question for you, Dave. I've heard this question before. Tell us, why did the banker lose interest? <laughs> well, uh, he got old, I guess. I thought it because nothing made any sense. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No more bad puns. No more bad jokes. We do have another caller on the line, though. Elsie, she's listening in Barrow, Alaska on KBRW. Elsie, you're on Native America Calling. Thank you for taking this call. Um, And it was interesting the last few moments that the banker was talking about CDs. or annuities, but I'm getting up there in age. I'm retired and have income from um, my own employment in my younger days and also um, my late husband's Social Security. Um, Only because Social Security takes a higher of the two. I had my own, but... That's how Social Security works, I guess. Anyway, so maybe my question was answered by the banker. If I took up a CD, are there minimum amounts or does it matter with the bank? And the next question I had was, if I'm just interested in getting a short-term CD, uh, what would be the advice from the banker? Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Elsie, and we're going to go ahead and let our resident banker, Dave Burrell, handle this question as well. Dave, minimum deposits as they apply apply to CDs and also uh, short-term CDs, excuse me, short-term CDs, please. 
chime sure. in. Sure. Um, I, I, I suspect you would need to check with the bank for sure, but most banks, uh, our bank, for example, I think our minimum is $500 uh, or $1,000 uh, to put into a certificate. But some banks may have different different minimums. And I think the uh, short-term feature is fine. Um, again, the longer that you're willing to lock up your money, the more you're going to earn. My personal feeling right now is I would not lock it up much longer than a year because I believe these interest rates have to go up uh, because of all of the uh, uh, things, I guess I would say, going on with inflation and with the free money that the government has been pumping into the system should should increase our interest rates. So probably stick a little shorter than uh, longer right now. Got it, Dave. And let's ask Rob as well. Rob, annuities, what do people need to watch out for with regard to annuity products? And also, um, any thoughts on folks that are investing later in life? Sure, sure. Thanks, John. So with, uh, with annuities and really with, with any type of investment, whether it is a, a certificate of deposit, whether it is an annuity or any other type of investment vehicle, is really getting an under, understanding, just like David had mentioned, of what that product is and how it operates. So again, what are those fees that are involved in, in either purchasing the product or continuing to hold that product? And then what is the liquidity terms? How easy is it for you to get your funds out if there is some sort of an emergency where you need to withdraw funds? Is there a penalty? Is there the ability to get those funds out? And then, of course, if, if, if you are using any of these products as a, a way to potentially build wealth for another generation, what happens when an individual passes? How, what happens to those money? How does it, is there a death benefit that's associated with it? What are the structures of the way that those investments are, are established? Um, one thing that I would make sure to caution individuals about when you are looking for a product is to, to keep in mind that there are going to be individuals out there that are offering an abnormally high rate of return that maybe does not seem to fit within the market. And while that might be appealing because you're looking at it saying, well, I can, I can make a lot of money off of this you need to be very cautious and be aware of the potential red flags that do exist uh, when, purchasing, when purchasing a potentially fraudulent product. So individuals might hold a, a product out as having a, a guaranteed 15% return or something along those lines. It could be even a lot less, but slightly above what the market's returning. You need to make sure that you do your research, you do your, your due diligence. You're looking up who is selling that product, what company they're working for, are those companies registered? Are they registered with FINRA? Are they registered with a state securities regulator? Are they registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission? This is all part of that due diligence that's extremely important to do when making any kind of investment decision. And once again, I'll just I'll plug in the, the broker check that I mentioned earlier. That is a really great tool to be able to do that research and see if an individual or an entity, a company, is registered to transact in the securities market. Rob, you mentioned regulated investments, and I think everybody is now familiar with cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, the most widely known cryptocurrency, but there are actually thousands of them. Decentralized currencies not issued by a government. They exist on a network of computers around the world. 
using this technology called blockchain. Rob, there are stories of people making insane amounts of money investing in cryptocurrencies, but there are huge risks too. What does a person need to be mindful of with these cryptocurrencies and other alternative investments? The main things is to to not get overwhelmed by the hype of a, of a certain sector, a certain product, or anything along those those lines. Make sure that you're making informed decisions. You're doing your research. You understand what the product is. And if you're thinking about something something like cryptocurrency, is this money that you would be okay with losing if, if the investment did not turn out? Is it money that you're okay losing? But when considering, uh, say, a, a cryptocurrency type of investment, you, you should also be aware of how easy it is to get your funds out. Is it, is it easy to convert the, the currency back into a, a, a dollar that you can, that you can use within, within the economy? So making sure you understand the way that the, the company that you're considering leveraging for cryptocurrency operates. Okay. Well, folks, some of the, the key themes that we've learned about today diversify those holdings, make sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket, keep that long-term time frame. look to the future, set your goals, identify what your risk tolerance is. These are all good, sound principles to apply when considering investment options. That's all the time, unfortunately, we have for today's show, an investing tutorial for native folks looking to build wealth for present and future generations. I'd like to thank my guests, Rob Massio and Dave Burrell for sharing their expertise along with their picks for the big game. And speaking of sports, we're live again tomorrow, bringing you a show about recent wins in the native sports column from indigenous athletes at the Olympics to betting on the biggest sports event of the year coming up this weekend. That's all tomorrow on Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. stories to tell? Vision Maker Media funds Native American and Alaska Native long and short documentaries at all stages of development and is currently seeking proposals intended for PBS television broadcasting through their public media fund. These projects should represent the cultures, experiences, and perspectives of Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Deadline for submissions is Friday, February 11th at visionmakermedia.org who support this program. 
If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, StrongHeart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by StrongHeart's Native Helpline. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.